Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. If you're listening to this show, then I know you're a person who cares about their liberty. There's also a good chance you're tired of waiting around for political change, tired of being duped by political parties like the LP, filling you with hope and then never coming through. If you're ready to take matters into your own hands, then I want to tell you about a new community called the Nomad Network. The Nomad Network is the number one community for liberty-minded people just like you who want to create freedom in their lifetime by focusing on entrepreneurship, investment, and income mobility. I first met Jason Stapleton, the founder of the Nomad Network, almost two years ago when I was a guest on his podcast, and he has now recently been a guest on my podcast for episode 172. From the moment I met him until today, I have been impressed with the practical, no BS approach he takes to helping people to navigate the world of entrepreneurship. So whether you have an existing business, are looking to start one, or simply want to network with other like-minded people, the Nomad Network is the place for you. And the best part is it's free to join. Just go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash network right now to see what everyone is talking about. That's expatmoneyshow.com forward slash network to get your free account today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe. This is the Expat Money Show. Today we are doing a solo episode, and this is an episode that I have wanted to do for so long, and I'm really, really excited about it. So this is not really an expat episode, you could say, and it's not really a finance or business or investing or even entrepreneurship type of episode. It is something completely different. I think it is kind of the precursor to all of these types of things because really what it comes down to is to be successful in your life, you need to set up an environment for success. After being an entrepreneur for many, many years and investing and living overseas and building businesses for even longer than that, I have to say that it really comes down to how you set up your life. If you can do these things correctly and you eliminate a lot of drama and you have your life put in a certain way, then success is really automatic. You know, actually, it's one of the first things that I learned when I was doing this show. I had a guest on and he said to me that success is automatic when you get the formula correct. And I think that he's 100% 
Right. So this is what we're going to be talking about today. The working title for the episode, and we'll see if it changes after I push publish, but as of now, sitting down to record it, the working title is 94 Things I Do in My Life to Set Myself Up for Success. I really think that with what is happening in the world right now, that it is really important that you are independent, that you take responsibility for yourself, for your life, for your family, and you get all of these things in order. Now, this is just how I've done things. I'm not saying that everybody has to do it my way. This is just what I have found through an immense amount of research, lots of experience, talking to many successful people. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of multimillionaires and billionaire people, how they set their life up, what are their routines, and how they do their life, how they structure their life. So this is, you know, completely anecdotal, a lot of it. Now, the anecdotes are come from me. However, a lot of the things that you will find in here, I did do a lot of scientific research on it as well. So wherever I can, I'm going to be able to link to some of the stuff. Either I'm going to link to the product where you can find it yourself or link to where you can find out more information about it so you can check these types of things. And if you guys are interested in this and, and you've thought of some other things that I didn't cover, then you guys can always join us at our private Facebook group at Expat Money Forum and start a thread on there and, and let's talk about it and get the discussion going because I think this is really important. As I said, what is happening in the world is absolutely crazy. There is so much stuff going on. I'm not going to get into it right now. You know what it is. And I think one of the biggest defenses that we can have in our lives is to be successful, to have enough money to provide for ourselves, to have enough investments and businesses and online sources of income and all of these types of things. I think that's going to be a great defense for us. But to get there, we need to set our life up for success. So without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. I have a giant spreadsheet here. I'm a spreadsheet attic. So I have listed everything in a spreadsheet and I've tried to organize it the best that I can. I hope that it doesn't feel like I'm jumping around too much. But as I said, let's jump in. Okay, boom, let's jump in. So in the mornings, I start with water. As soon as I wake up, the very first thing that I am doing is drinking water. I'm drinking probably about 750 ml of purified water, and I'll get into the type of water in a moment. But what I'm mixing into it is creatine monohydrate. So creatine monohydrate is normally known for muscle building properties and for strength, but actually I'm using it for its longevity processes and for the clarity and the nootropic value that it also holds. So I put about three grams in my water. It's the first thing that I do, and I have it on an empty stomach. I just normally start off with room temperature water. I use a straw, but I use a steel straw. Every time I say a straw, I get people from the Green Party attacking me, telling me that I'm killing turtles. I am not killing turtles. I use steel reusable straws with everything, and I make sure that I have a lot of water in the morning. Now, the other thing that I have in the morning as soon as I wake up is a tinture. And so what this is, is a lion's mane compound, a lion's mane mushroom that they made a, for lack of a better word, a potion out of. They use alcohol to extract it and break down the fibers and extract all of these compounds that are found in the fruit body of the mycelium. 
And it's really, really interesting. I got into researching about mycelium and mushrooms and not from a culinary perspective by any means, although I do like them from culinary. I'm really looking at them from the nootropic value for how we can reprogram our brains and really make ourselves smarter. It's like hacking your mind. So I watched documentaries on it. I talked to different professionals about it. I read books and podcasts and looked at the scientific literature and there is a lot there. So I'm, I'm going to talk about some of the other ones that I use later on, but the first one that I have in the morning is called Lion's Mane. It comes in a small, dark jar and it's extracted through alcohol, so it's quite strong. I take a couple of, they look like eyedroppers, a couple ml of that in the morning. I have my water, maybe I will make myself an espresso, and then I get to work and use the bathroom and, and freshen up and things like that. But first thing is lots and lot of water. So on the topic of water, what I use is a Berkey water filter. After doing so much research and looking at different types of things that are out there, looking at gravity fed versus osmosis or reverse osmosis, I should say, or charcoal filters and many different types of things, I went with the Berkey because it does not require electricity. Now I'm a mild prepper myself, so I don't want to have too many things that are reliant on electricity. I didn't want something that was dependent on the water supply coming from the city, the municipal water supply. I wanted to be able to put any type of water in. So if I were to collect rainwater or if we were to have water from another source or water that was maybe not so clean, I could put it through. So actually, if you guys go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash water, hyphen filter. It's going to take you to the site where you can pick up one of these yourself. Now I have the Royal Berkey, which is the super duper large one. I think can't remember how many gallons it is. I want to say it's about five gallons. So it holds a ton of water. And then I have the travel Berkey as well. So for example, when we went down to Brazil for six months, we brought the travel Berkey with us and it did our family for the entire time. And we just fill it up once a day and it was fantastic. Now here in Panama, we've got a maid and we've got other people coming and going in the house. So I have the really big one. I also like to hold a little bit of extra water in the house. I mean, we have probably about 100 gallons, 150 gallons of water in bottles held in one of the back rooms, just as a backup supply of water in case anything ever happens. So with the Berkey, it is a gravity fed, you fill it up, it takes several hours, and it comes out and it's super pure water. When there's droughts, or when there's problems in third world countries or in Africa or things like this, they often use a Berkey filter, it takes out 99.999999% of pathogens and viruses and bacteria and all these types of things. The water tastes really clean. I really like it. I'm a massive fan of this. But the only problem is that it actually removes a lot of the minerals. So I bought these remineralization stones that I put in the bottom compartment of the water filter to kind of add some of those minerals back in. Now, I do take a lot of supplements that we'll be talking about later, but I think that this also helps and it makes sure that my daughter gets all of these and, and my son as well get all of these minerals. Okay, moving on. And on the same topic of water, I started changing out all of the plastic water bottles that we use in the house, either with steel or with glass. Even though a lot of these plastics will say, oh, it's BPA free and it doesn't leach. I don't think that's the case. I removed all of these types of things. Same with all of the food containers that we use. We started replacing all of the Tupperware containers with glass containers. I think that they're a lot healthier. You can use them in the microwave. You can heat them up. Not that I recommend using the microwave by any means, but 
I'm not perfect. It does happen sometimes. But uh, for any type of food storage, we use glass or we use steel. For our water bottles, everybody around the house either has a steel water bottle or a glass one. On top of that, we don't drink any soda or Coke or juice or milk or any of these types of things in the house. We drink a lot of water. So to add it, to make it a little bit more palatable, sometimes we like sparkling water. So I bought a soda stream and then I just use fresh lemon or fresh lime to kind of give it some flavor and we put some ice with it and it works really well for us. Now, the only problem with putting lemon or lime is it can actually remove the enamel from your teeth. So that's one of the reasons that I use a straw, one of those steel straws every day is so that the water and that lemon and the citrus doesn't go on my teeth and I'm just drinking it. It adds a little bit of variety opposed to just normal plain water. But yeah, the last thing that I want to mention in the water section is we just recently bought a ice maker. It's by Igloo. It lives on the countertop and we're able to put in the filtered water to it. So it doesn't use the straight municipal water and I don't need to go to the store and buy ice or anything like that. Normally we would make our own ice cubes but we're pretty big families, so we're constantly going through it. And we have tons of parties and dinner parties and people coming over to visit and stay with us and things like that, that we're always running out of ice. So I got a big ice maker. It lives on the counter now. It's a brand new, and we can use the filtered water for it. So I'm super excited about that. All right, next. Now, dental. I will go and brush my teeth. And I started going through my life literally with a notepad and I started walking around my house and I tried to figure out everything that I do and tried to figure out, is this the best way that I can do it? The most efficient and effective way to do it. So when I got into the bathroom and I saw the toothbrush and these types of things, I started to think, is this the best toothbrush that exists on planet earth? Is this the best toothpaste that exists? So I actually spent hours researching these. Now for the toothbrush, I found this one. It's an extra soft toothbrush by Easy Honor, and it has over 20,000 bristles on it. It's so weird, the thing, the way that it looks. It doesn't look like a normal toothbrush at all, but it gets into every single nook and cranny, and it's super soft, and it won't push up your gums or damage your teeth or anything like that. So I started replacing my toothbrushes with these. They're really, really interesting, and you can find it on Amazon. It's called Easy Honor Extra Soft Toothbrush. Then I started replacing the toothpaste. So I started looking at blog articles for best natural toothpaste. And I found this one called Himalaya Botanic Neem and Pomegranate Toothpaste. And I love it. The flavor is really nice. It's super fresh and it's a lot more natural. There's a lot less chemicals and these types of thing in there. I also bought this UV light for our toothbrushes. So after we use the toothbrush, you turn it on this UV light and it kills all bacteria because you can imagine, keep putting this toothbrush in your mouth and then it sits there at room temperature for hours and hours and all this bacteria and germs and things start to grow. So the UV light kills all of these. I think it goes for about 360 seconds. It kills it. I do it once a day, right before bed, I turn it on. That's really neat. I also found this on Amazon, did some research. It really works well. So I really started to upgrade everything from the dental. Then I started looking at dental floss because I think I was probably just using whatever dental floss you would find at the pharmacy. But I went on and I found this one called Excellent Charcoal Dental Floss and it's made out of coconut fiber and it's X-L-E-N-T, X-L-E-N-T. And I love this one. It's a black floss, but it's really big and it gets everything out of your teeth and it's awesome. It's like kind of flexible, but it's completely natural. It's not this 
really thin crap that doesn't get anything, nothing sticks to it. This is all fibrous and it just really does a great job doing it. So that was my dental going through and finding everything. I've heard people talk about the water picks. Actually, my mother uses a water pick. She swears by it. She really likes it, but she uses it instead of dental floss. I think the dental floss is excellent. I've heard people talking about mechanical toothbrushes. I've looked at them before. I didn't like them. I didn't think that they were very good. So I upgraded to this 20,000 soft bristles. All right, moving on. The next section is on physical. So after I brush my teeth, I've had my water. I've had a bit of supplements. I go and do my exercise. So a giant shout out to my friend, Brian. He was here in Panama visiting me. Oh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, we were out for dinner. He's a subscriber and fan of the show. And we were talking about fitness and he recommended that I check out the X3 bar. So I went online and I purchased this. It was not a cheap device by any means. I was using different things around the house like medicine balls and sandbags. I used to go to the gym and do a lot of like free weights, but because I don't have a ton of time these days because I have so much going on with clients and business that I needed something that was going to be very quick that I could do and clean up and put away and it wasn't going to take up too much space that my kids were not going to get into it. And he recommended that I check out the X3 bar. I think it's about $550. I actually found a discount code. If you go to their Facebook group, there's a certain code there. I should have looked it up for you, but I forgot, but I really like it. I've been doing it for probably about three weeks now. I've already started to see a difference. There's a ton of science on using resistance bands opposed to free weights, a lot less chance of injury, which I was really concerned about as I'm getting slightly older in age here. I don't want to have any injuries that are going to set me behind. I do my workouts. They say about 10 minutes. It takes me about 18 or 19 minutes to do my exercises in the morning, but still not a huge time commitment by any means. Before and after that, I'm doing stretching. I am a proponent and always have been for static stretching. I did a lot of martial arts growing up. I was in martial arts for 11 years from the ages of six to 17 years old. I actually used to compete internationally in martial arts. That was one of my first trips I did was to Ireland when I was 17 and I competed on Team Canada in the Worlds. And since I was a small child, I did static stretching and it always did me very well. I used to be able to do the splits and I used to be very flexible. I'm still quite flexible, but I've been doing static stretching even as an adult for years and years and years. On top of that, I will do dynamic stretching. So any type of weighted stretching. Also, you can think that with the resistance bands from the X3, that's also going to give you a bit of stretch there. But I think that flexibility and mobility is something that's super important. I think it affects everything in your life, especially when you work at a desk like I do. Yes, I work from home, but it's still office life. I'm still sitting for hours and hours a day. So things like my hip flexors and my IT band and these types of things, you know, there's a lot of tightness and shortening of the muscles. Same with my hamstrings and my glutes, they get really short. So if I don't do any type of stretching, then it's easier to throw my back out or hurt my back. Moving on with physical, I try to make sure that I schedule a little bit of time every day just for reflection. Now I could have put meditation here, but meditation doesn't really cover what I do. Meditation is really time to think about nothing and just give your brain a bit of time to relax. And although I do do meditation sometimes, especially before bed, I think in addition to that, that time for reflection is really important. So instead of learning or watching screens or working or talking to my wife or anything like that, I like to just sit around and do nothing. I do this for probably about half an hour a day, either throughout the day or at night when I have a bit of free time. And I just kind of let my mind wander and think about anything and everything, 
whether that be business or relationships or strategy or my investments or different countries or the economy or or what I want to write in my email newsletter the next day, I just let my mind wander whatever that might be. I'm actually really quite an introverted person. Most people who meet me wouldn't think that because I talk a lot and I am always on the go and I have a lot of things and I have so much energy, but actually I need a lot of alone time to kind of recharge myself. I would say that I'm an introvert who has taught myself how to be very extroverted because I I know that to get the things that I wanted in my life, I couldn't be shy. I couldn't be timid. I couldn't hold back. I really had to give everything and really break through a lot of those things. But every day I need to make sure that I have time for reflection. Also from the physical side, I like to spend time with my kids, not just playing, but make sure that we're just goofing off. I find that just laughing with my kids and just telling jokes or cracking a laugh or playing or tickling them or wrestling, they just make me laugh so hard every day. And I think for my own mental health and for my physical health, for my being, laughing every day with my kids is so necessary. So making sure that I take time for that, not just spending quality time, because I would consider quality time anything that I spend with my children. You know, the meals that we spend or the homeschooling that we do or building Lego with my daughter. You know, all of those are really good and important things. But you know, it's not necessarily being silly. It's not necessarily laughing and and just letting loose. So I make sure that I schedule that. Schedule is the wrong word because I don't put it on my calendar, but I make sure that I set out time just to laugh with my kids every day. During the day, during work, I take a load of breaks. I am always standing up. I'm stretching my back. I'm walking if I have to do phone calls. If I have to do a conference call and it's not required that I be on video, then I pace back and forth in my apartment. I have a huge 4,700 square foot penthouse apartment and the upstairs story is absolutely massive. I mean, pacing in this is very good. I don't get dizzy from turning around, let's just say that. And I have a very nice view. So it actually helps with my mental state as well when I'm walking and talking or walking and thinking. So it's not just from the physical side. It also helps me get in a little bit of steps every day so that I'm burning calories and I'm helping to make sure that my back is always in a good position and work on my posture. After that, and this is kind of like a a culmination of everything that I'm doing, I've, I've really focused in the last, say, seven months on losing a lot of excess body fat. So I had a friend of mine who made a comment to me that I looked like a piece of rope that was tied in the center, a piece of string that tied in the center. Basically what he was saying was that I was skinny fat. I was very skinny on the top, then I had this punch in the center and then very skinny on the bottom. And that's not me. I mean, I've traditionally been throughout my life very, very fit, in excellent shape. I've always been an athlete my entire life, since I was six years old, since I started in karate. And then since I was in my 20s and I did got into fitness and bodybuilding, I actually wanted to be a men's fit I wanted to compete in men's fitness when I was in my 20s. It used to be my entire life. I just was absolutely obsessed with fitness. I even thought about going back to university to become a registered dietitian. But when I realized how little money they make, I decided not to do that. That was my in my early 20s. Now I'm almost 40, but I still know and understand a lot about fitness. So adding a lot of extra body fat is not me by any means. So I started changing a lot of my diet, adding in a lot more exercise, the walking and things like that. And I've actually lost about nine kilos, nine, nine and a half kilos. So you can think probably about 
23, 24 pounds, something like that, of just pure body fat. I mean, I've kept all of the muscle. I actually look, I would say, a lot better now. My clothes are fitting me better, and I don't have this punch in the center. So if you guys see me at a conference or you see me at a meetup and you say, you know, I thought Mikel was getting fat. No, I nipped that in the bud straight away and I made sure that I'm not. So that was a very short period of my life, maybe a year of my life, and now I've taken care of it. Okay. Every night, and I could have put this in the, in the end of this, but I use a steam room. I, maybe not every night, but a few nights a week I use a steam room. So we built a sauna in the house and I turn on the steam room and I try to do about 30 minutes of steam every night and I get it as hot as possible. So I actually bought a waterproof speaker that I can take in there with me. So I'm still educating myself at the same time as I'm doing the steam room. And that kind of goes in my nighttime routine, but I put it here in physical. Also before bed, I do red light therapy. I bought this giant panel that does red light and near infrared light. I try to do about 30 minutes over the entire body. So I'll do say 10 minutes the front, 10 minutes the back, and then 10 minutes that's really focused on my brain. Because if you go quite close and with the infrared and the near infrared, you can actually go right through your skull and it will go into your brain. It actually helps to heal a lot of things. It starts to recharge your mitochondria, which is like the energy houses in your system. And it's really amazing. Actually, the other added benefit, and I didn't read this before, but I have amazing sleep after I use my red light therapy. And I can actually check with my sleep tracker the amount of REM and slow wave sleep that I get. My deep sleep actually increases when I do red light therapy. So I think I paid probably about seven or $800 for the machine, but money very, very, very well spent. My mother uses it. My wife uses it. My mother actually found that it helped with the skin too, so that there was, if there was any type of marks on her skin, it started to remove those or sunspots or these types of things. So massive, massive fan. In the UK, the company that I got recommended was called Red Light Rising. I used another company called Red Rush, and I really like it. I got it recommended to me, and the device has been fantastic since I got it. What else do I do? Okay, I limit screen time. I'm getting really anal retentive about this. I don't want to be spending too much time of the screen. Even at night, I try not to watch too much TV or movies, even though that I just bought a brand new 86 inch television. I try not to watch too much TV or movies. It's more of a special occasion type of thing. Now, since I am working on the computer all day and I have three 27 inch monitors in front of me, I try not to use much of a screen outside of this. So I have removed a lot of applications from my phone, all social media, all of these types of things from my phone. I haven't turned my tablet on in months. And and I prefer physical books or Audible, which I'm gonna be talking about a little bit later on. What else do I do? Okay, so naps. If I did not get enough sleep during the day, I schedule in a nap, especially after I've done a podcast episode. I will try to take a nap afterwards because I find that they can be very draining on me. Or even to prepare for a nap, if I wanna get my mental state in the right spot, I'll try to take you know a half an hour or an hour nap beforehand to really make sure that I'm fresh. There is a lot of scientific research that shows the benefits of nap. I'm not gonna get into this, you can Google it, but I highly, highly encourage you guys to take naps. No, I'm not a child, adults do it too. You can think of a siesta in different cultures, it is there and yeah. 
I live in Latin America, I'm taking naps. My posture, I mentioned this I think twice before, I am really working on my posture to make sure that my ankles, my knees, my hips, my shoulders, and my head are all aligned so that my neck is not sticking forwards, my head is not sticking forwards. I've had a lot of problems with this before in the past, especially because it's working on the computers. If you try to squint or look in on something, it can really throw out your whole back. Your head is actually really, really heavy. So if it's out of alignment, it can add so much stress to your anterior chain and start giving you a lot of headaches through overworking these types of muscles in your delts and in all of the neck muscles. So you're like levator scapula and all these other muscles in your neck. What else? All right, mouth breathing. I actually didn't know this. So the human body is really made for only breathing through the nose. The mouth is like a redundant way of breathing, but the best way to breathe is through your nose. It actually filters out a lot of toxins from the air that you breathe in. It oxygenates your brain and it lights up all of these different spaces. When they do MRIs and they start to show it, it lights up all these different type of aspects of your brain. So I've really focused on eliminating mouth breathing and making sure that I only breathe through my nose. Now, some people have problems with this when they sleep, so they do mouth taping, which is very strange, it sounds, but basically what it is is a piece of tape that you put over your mouth that keeps your mouth shut and forces you to breathe through your nose. I have them. I have not needed them, but I do have them here just in case. The only problem is if you are really congested or you have a lot of allergies, which is something that I used to have, and I'll, I'll get to how I got rid of all of my allergies, how I banished my allergies for good a little bit later on. But yes, breathing through my nose, being cognizant of my breathing, and being very purposeful of it. The last thing that I put here in the physical section is cold showers. I have not taken a hot shower in months and months and months. I really only take cold showers now. For me, it is very, very normal, but I live in the tropics, so it's kind of okay. I grew up in southwestern Ontario, so maybe in the middle of winter in Canada, I would not want to do a cold shower. But here in Panama, where it's nice and hot, I don't have any problem with that. Okay, diet. Diet is not going to be as big of a section as the last one, but let's jump in. Okay, I switched over to a ketogenic diet about seven or eight months ago, I want to say. Maybe maybe six months ago, I switched to completely keto. Now, every month I have what I would call a cheat meal, but I'm not eating junk food by any means, but I might eat a sandwich or some gluten-free pasta or something like that. But mostly I keep a ketogenic diet. I have found that... I can go much longer without food, and you'll find out why that's important in a second. It's supposed to help with mental clarity, with a lot of energy and things like this. It certainly helped with my body composition and losing body fat. My body turned into a little fat-burning machine, and I never feel hungry anymore. Whatever leftover body fat that I have on me, it just automatically switches over and starts burning that through keto. There are a ton of health benefits on keto. Once again, you guys can go out there and research it. I highly recommend it. It did take quite a while to get used to keto. It was not something that was like, oh, a day later or a week later, I was fully adapted. No, it took months and months and months to get adapted. The kind of hack that I used to get ready for keto was I did some fasts. So I did a, I think the first one was a 24-hour fast. Then a week later, I did a 36-hour fast. And then I think I did another 36 and another 24-hour, all within probably a 
three-week span or maybe a two-week span. So I would fast, then I would eat normal for a day or two, and then I would fast again, and then I would eat normal for a few days. And I was checking my ketone levels using a device I found on Amazon. I should have, I should have found the name of this for you. But it's a little strip that you put in, and you use a lance, basically a small needle that pricks the side of your finger. It doesn't hurt. It's not that bad. I mean, maybe a little type of a sting, but it's gone in half a second. And you just put a drop of blood, and within about say six seconds or eight seconds, you get your result. You might have to practice the first couple of times to get the hang of it, but I suggest going on YouTube and you can find videos on doing it. I think I wasted the first couple of strips. They think I think they cost about 70 or 80 cents a piece, so it's not a big loss. But for the first, say, month of doing keto, I was checking myself once a day or twice a day. So I really understood how my body reacts to food and I was recording all of these types of things in a journal. Not because I needed to record it forever, but just so that I really understand the changes and what happens and what type of food that I eat and modifying my diet. Like I said, I do know and understand a lot about diet because I wanted to be a dietitian and because I wanted to compete. And I, if you guys see old pictures of me as a bodybuilder, I mean, I look completely different. I was at about 75 kilos of just solid muscle and about a 9% body fat and just was absolutely jacked. So it was a little bit different to get into keto, but I adapted very, very quickly. The other thing that I started, I actually even longer, probably almost a year ago, was intermittent fasting. So these days I fast for about 17 hours a day, anywhere from six, 16 to 17 hours a day. That means that I'm eating for seven, eight hours, somewhere around there, and I fit all of my meals in there. These days I have two meals. So my first meal is at around 11.30, 12 o'clock in the morning. Then I will have a protein shake with some coconut milk in there and some healthy fats and things like that around 3 p.m. And then I have dinner with my wife and kids and my mother at around six-ish, and then that's it. Maybe at night I might have for dessert some extra dark chocolate, like 85% organic or uh, artisanal chocolate, and that's what might put me, you know, quite not quite as long of a fasting window, but that's not an every night thing, that's a few times a week, and that is my guilty pleasure, even though it's not really guilty because there's actually a lot of research that show that the flavonoids in dark chocolate and cocoa nibs and things like this are really, really beneficial, but it's all dependent on the quality of the chocolate. So I pay quite a bit of money for the chocolate that I eat. But like I said, I don't have that much of it and I don't have it every single day. So it's not a huge draw on, on any of this. It was funny, kind of side note, we caught my five-year-old daughter the other day back at one of our fridges. We have three giant fridges and a standing freezer in our house to hold all the food for our family. And we caught her back by one of them. We have a special section just for daddy's chocolate. And she was like eating the bars of chocolate like it was going out of style. And I'm like, <laughs> a ridiculous amount of money in chocolate that she gobbled up. And we explained to her that she is not allowed to do that. Okay, next. We started swapping out pretty much all food that we can with organic food. We get a lot of our fruits and vegetables delivered to the house about once a week or once every two weeks. And we get only organic stuff. We get organic meats, organic fish. The only thing that we don't do a lot of organic is the dairy products. I do like dairy. I know that there's a lot of health claims that is not good for you. But I mean, once again, I'm only human and cheese is one of my favorite things in the world. We have not found good organic cheese here in Panama, but everything else we found 
excellent organic food, excellent organic meats, fruits, vegetables, seafood. So we really try to eat only organic. We have also removed all processed foods from our diets. Okay, we might have some sauces, some chili sauce or soy sauce and things like that. We don't buy any frozen food, you know, or processed food or cookies or chips or anything like that whatsoever. Organic all the way. And this goes for my kids as well. Oh, my kids only eat organic food. And even my son, as soon as he started eating real food, we switched him over to organic. We don't buy any of the store-bought baby food. We make everything from scratch for him. And we'll spend one Sunday, like three or four hours, and we'll cook off 10 different types of vegetables and congee, which is basically a Chinese rice porridge. And we'll make all of these things, cool it down, and then we have molds. We freeze it all, Ziploc bag it, put it in the freezer, and then every day we just pull out what we need, put it in the stove, mix it together, and that's what he eats as his food. So he's going to be super, super healthy. Next, I cut back on alcohol considerably. If you guys have been on the newsletter for any length of time, then you will know that my favorite, favorite, favorite drink is an old-fashioned. I've had to cut back on these considerably. I will enjoy once in a while, although it doesn't really fit in, in a ketogenic diet. The other thing that I really like is a strong red wine. So I really love Cabernet Sauvignon and I really love a Malbec. So I, I only got into Malbec when we started living in Brazil, but a Cabernet Sauvignon I've been drinking for years. And we used to have basically a bottle going around the clock. Like if you came in my house, there was always a bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon. Now, I'm not saying that I drank you know, a bottle every day, certainly not, but I would have one glass with dinner. Never that I would ever affect my judgment or my mood or anything like this, but there are health benefits and there are other things that go along with it. Plus, I really enjoy the flavor. Now, as I've started to get older, if I have two or three glasses of wine, it really affects my sleep and the quality of my sleep. I would wake up like four hours later and I would just be either have a pounding headache, or even if I didn't have a headache, my brain would just start working and I would be thinking about business and clients and how I can help people and all these types of things. And I wouldn't get any sleep and then the next day I'm completely lethargic and dragging my ass. So I don't like this. The other thing that I really cut down on considerably is my cigar smoking. You've probably seen videos of me on YouTube or being interviewed, you know, especially if it's a nighttime interview or it's with one of my friends, we'll do an interview and we'll smoke a couple of cigars. Or we'll be at a conference or having a meetup and afterwards I'll be out on the patio and I'll be smoking cigars with people. Yes, cigars are organic. We would always have organic ones. They are healthier than smoking cigarettes. That's for damn sure. But there are still some negative health benefits. Obviously, with the mouth, with the throat, people do get throat cancer. Even though it doesn't have the same type of chemicals, still it is bad for you. I know it is bad for you, so I've cut this back considerably. But every once in a while, I will have a cigar. It is a social thing. It is a special occasion thing. I can remember so many amazing moments that I've had sitting around talking with guys and masterminding and brainstorming and sharing stories and swapping experiences and enjoying a good cigar. It really bonds people together. And I think that community and friendship and relationships are so, so important. And it's one of those things. It's a, a tool to help strengthen these. Yes, I can have fun without alcohol. Yes, I can have fun without smoking or without cigars, but it is a nice bonus. So I've really mitigated or, or cut back on these types of things. 
Gluten-free. I have been gluten-free for probably about 15 years. I am a celiac. I've mentioned this before on the podcast and things like that. I actually have my friend Jennings, who is the founder of 1018. She is also a celiac. I just found that out this week as well. So it's kind of funny. Sometimes people in my network, they're like, they have to tell me, oh, by the way, I don't eat gluten. It's like, perfect. You will get along very well in my house because my family knows and understands gluten-free very well. So another funny story, when I got married to my wife about seven years ago and she moved into my house, I think it was like after a couple of months, I, I mentioned to her at dinner one time and I was like, you know what, baby? I've been having terrible stomach pains every morning and I've been on the toilet and it's just been feeling awful. I don't know what's going on. Like I'm just, I'm eating the normal stuff. I don't, I don't know what's happening to me. She got like really quiet and solemn for a second. I was like, what, what is it? She's like, oh, uh, I've been putting some gluten in your diet. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, I thought it was like an allergy and we could start to build up a tolerance for you and start to get you over this. And, and my mother's sitting there at dinner and we're both like looking at her like, no, that's not how this works. I'm a celiac. It's an autoimmune disease. You can't feed it to me. <laughs> My body literally thinks it's poison and it starts to purge everything. It actually damages my body and it makes these little micro cuts in my gut, which you can actually start to have leaky gut syndrome and food starts to go into those and you can start to develop additional allergies. It actually shortens your lifespan. It is brutal. So I didn't mean to make her feel bad about this, but yeah. So if you have someone in your life who is a celiac, don't poison them. You're not helping them. You're not going to help them get over it. It was funny, not funny. I kind of tell the story now, but yeah, not great. <laughs> okay, what else? Okay, remove processed foods. I already mentioned this. Healthy oils. Okay, so as I said, I am a keto. I, I am on a ketogenic diet. I don't eat just any type of fat. I do eat a very high fat diet, but I removed all vegetable oils from my diet. I removed all hydrogenated oils from my diet or hydrogenated fats from my diet. I replaced it with a lot of coconut oil, MCT oil, avocado oil, extra virgin olive oil. I don't cook with the extra virgin olive oil, but I cook with the coconut oil or the avocado oil, which has a much higher smoke point. So as you're frying something, it's not going to break the oil or, or hit that smoke point and start to degrade the oil or make it carcinogenic or anything like that, which can happen with the olive oils. I don't use light olive oil or anything like that. I use only extra virgin olive oil. And I just make sure that I have a lot of it throughout the day. I eat a lot of avocados. I mean, I probably eat an entire avocado myself every day. I have it with pretty much all of my meals. Sometimes we even chop up avocado when it's in season, freeze it down into little cubes, and then we put it in the shake, just a few handfuls of that or one handful of the avocados into it. It adds fiber to it. It adds a bit of texture, which is actually quite nice, a creamy, and it adds those healthy fats to things. Uh, so I try to eat as much healthy fat as possible. I probably get about mm, about 70% of my calories from fat. I do eat meat. I eat only organic meat, as I said, and I try to eat like organ meat and things like that. There are also a lot of health benefits and then a ton of green vegetables. So I eat salads every day, leafy vegetables. We do sprouting. We do hydroponics in the house. So we started growing a lot of our own food. That's its own conversation, its own thing, learning about food sovereignty. Maybe I may even do an entire episode talking about food independence and food sovereignty. 
I think that would be an interesting episode. I probably should interview someone. Actually, if you guys know someone who is an expert on those types of things, on hydroponics, on aquaponics, on food sovereignty, on growing your own food and gardening, and has some type of an international flavor to them, if you guys go to Expat Money Forum, start a thread in there and put your comments and your suggestions in that. I would love to hear that. I think that'd be a really cool episode. But anyways, yeah, I eat a lot of healthy fats. So those are the main things from the diet side. Once again, this is all to set me up for success. So my brain is clear. My body is healthy. I take really good care of my body. I am very fortunate in a financial situation to be able to afford to do all of these types of things. I, I would also argue that it's circular, that I have the money to afford these types of things because I do these types of things. If I fed my body McDonald's and Burger King and KFC and absolute junk every day, then I would have very low energy levels. And if I had low energy levels, I wouldn't be able to take on so many clients or put out so much content or produce so much high quality stuff that I wouldn't be properly rewarded. I wouldn't get paid and then I wouldn't have the money to put into it. So it's a chicken and the egg type of thing. You have to spend the money on yourself to make you worthy in the marketplace of earning more money. And I understand also that a lot of this comes with confidence. You have to know that you are worth it to spend the money on yourself and have confidence and, and faith that you will be able to earn the additional money by spending it on this. So we'll talk about the supplementation later, but I will just say that I probably spend, I would say about six or $700 a month, a month, just on my supplementation, just for myself, okay? So that tells you how serious I take a lot of these types of things. Moving on, time. This is productivity. This is make my life easier. This is the next section. So one of the first things that I did when I started to really look at these things was I started using only organic soaps and cosmetics and things that I'm adding into the house. So I started removing all chemicals from the house, everywhere I could find it. And we're not 100% there. There are still some chemicals we use, but I started removing as much as I possibly can. So as I said, I started removing cosmetic for brushing teeth. I changed out my deodorants, my shampoo, conditioner, facial wash or facial cleanser, body wash, any types of creams or lotions, my wife's makeup, anything and everything that we could, anything that contains chemicals, we got rid of it. We either donated it, we threw it out, we got rid of it. I don't want so much chemicals in my life. Same thing that I don't want so much plastic in my life. I don't want my water to contain any plastic particles or any of my food to contain plastic or chemicals. I don't want it in the soil that it's growing in. I don't want to put it on my body or my hair or my teeth or my nails or anything like this. Once again, I am not 100% there, but I mean, we must have got rid of 95% of the chemicals that are in the house. Same with anything that is used to clean. Now we clean a lot of things with just vinegar, vinegar and water. We use essential oils if we need things that are going to have a scent to them. I started getting rid of all the toilet cleaners or floor cleaners. We started making our own for all these types of things. It's been a process. It doesn't happen in a day, but I think that removing all these toxins from my life, I don't think that it's going to make a, day, a difference, you know, night and day between, you know, one day to the next, but I think over weeks, months, years, or even decades, it will have a massive compounding effect. So getting rid of all of these types of chemicals and going organic or natural wherever you can. What else in productivity and in 
making my life easier. So we have a full-time nanny that helps out with my daughter. She helps prepare one meal a day. She does a little bit of cleaning here and there, and she works with my daughter. She takes care of my son. She helps teach with Spanish. She plays with them. She protects them. So we're very fortunate. My wife is a stay-at-home mother. My mother lives with us as well. So she's always here to help take care of my kids, and we have a nanny. So that is three full-time people, plus me, I work from home, I have a home office here. So there's lots of adults here to help take care of the kids. Add to that, we have a cleaning lady. She comes in and she cleans this house top to bottom, which really helped with my allergies. I used to have massive allergies. When I was a child, they actually used to take me every single Thursday for three years when I was probably about seven years old and give me an allergy shot. I think I had like 38 different types of allergies or something. I have no idea if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not getting into vaccines by any means in this conversation, but this is what happened when I was a child. They used to give me a shot every single week. So I had really brutal allergies my entire life. Now, since we started cleaning the house like obsessively for dust and making sure that we're dusting and making sure that we're getting rid of any type of mold, my allergies have pretty much disappeared, which is amazing. So I can breathe a lot more clearly and also helps with the nose breathing before. Because if this was a few years ago and we were talking about this, there's no way that I could eliminate mouth breathing because my nose was completely congested, around the clock congested. Okay, what else? I track everything. I use a journal and I write down everything that I do, how it affects my body, how I handle things, my mood. I either use applications or I just use a pen and a paper to write these down. I do do journaling as well on ideas and concepts, emotions and feelings. I try to keep a journal as much as possible. I try to get things out of my brain and onto paper. If I have ideas about a daily email, then I just jot it down immediately. And then when I'm thinking about, hey, what should I write about today? I will kind of go through a database of ideas that I've had and I'll pick one and then I'll tell a story about that and I'll write it all out. Okay, on the same topic of mold. Now, I bought a UV light for killing mold. And if you go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash mold, M-O-L-D, it's going to take you to the Amazon page for the one that I bought. This thing is amazing. It takes anywhere from 60 minutes to 90 minutes to do a room. It scrambles the DNA of any type of dust mites. It kills mold. It kills any type of fungus, bacteria, germs, anything, viruses, and it just kills everything in the room. So what we do is we do a, a giant blanket version of it for the entire room, and then we open up any drawers and we use it to kill that as well. We live in the tropics here in Panama, so there's also a lot of humidity. So if any type of mold gets on there, you can actually start to see mold growing on wood or leather products or anything like that. It saves all of our type of furniture or my leather jacket or anything like that. You don't want to use it too much because it can actually fade a lot of this. But what it does is it replicates the light from the sun and it kills any type of organism. So we love this thing. Between that and having the, the house dusted regularly, I've completely eliminated my allergies. I never have problems with it at all. And I mean, I had problems for 30, almost 40 years, almost my entire life, I had problems with allergies. So I'm a big fan of this one for sure. And the last thing that make my life easier and productivity section is a to-do list. I have multiple to-do lists going for anything and everything. I use spreadsheets, I use Trello, 
and I use a piece of paper and a pen and I'm constantly going through to-do lists. It gives me a reward. I feel excellent when I cross something off on the list. It stops me from just spinning my wheels and checking our private Facebook group too much or checking emails too many times or just screwing around on the internet and going down different rabbit holes. It really keeps me focused. So I try to use a to-do list for anything and everything that I do. I also use calendars. So I always am making sure that everything goes on a calendar. I have my to-do lists on my calendar. So if I need to schedule something like today's podcast recording, I put this on several days ago, even though there's no one here to meet me here. I know at this time on this day, I am recording this episode. Okay work, my work stuff. How do I set myself up for success for work? So one of the first things that I do is I define my work hours. These days I'm working from about 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. That seems to work very well for me. I get all of my diet and my exercise and I take my cold shower and all of these things in the morning. Sometimes I might start a little bit earlier, maybe 9 a.m., Maybe I might have a client call in the morning. I usually try to schedule my client calls for the afternoon, but if I have to do a group call with a lawyer or with the accountant and my client, so if there's like five of us on the call, I usually reserve that for the morning times because I know that there will be nothing scheduled in those times. I don't put out any of my robo calendar links with availability in the mornings. Or if I have clients who are in Australia or New Zealand or Hong Kong or these types of things or Singapore, it's a different time zone, then I reserve these hours in the morning to discuss with them. But I try to do all of my conference calls in the afternoon. I think that that is better for me. I line them up one after the other and I'll do probably about four or five hours of client call or conference calls with the lawyers every single day. All right, work. I study and I read daily. I am constantly studying new things for work. And we'll get into kind of the timings for this, but I'm always reading, okay, not just what's happening in the news, but what's happening in my industry in the news. What's happening with immigration? What are the changes in laws? What are the changes in the tax code? You know, anything that's coming up, I'm scanning throughout the day to make sure that everything that I'm presenting to my clients or anything that I'm writing about or talking on the podcast is completely up to date. I don't do my research on, you know, random blog articles or YouTube or anything like that. I'm checking different journals or subscriptions that I pay money for, industry publications, these types of things, and curating a lot of the information of these for you guys. So if I'm saying something, it's backed up from multiple sources. I've, I've spent thousands of dollars on data and I'm always scanning these things every single day. Also for work, I am really investing in relationships. I am always on the go traveling, meeting people, going out for dinners, either with clients or with other lawyers. I'm, I'm always trying to foster these types of things because I think what's happening in the world, having the right relationships is so important to protect yourself. Also with my private clients, I need to make sure that I'm getting the best information and working with the best professionals so that when I make an introduction, I really know this person that I'm working with. I can really vouch for their services. So I have a network of lawyers, accountants, service providers, gold vault providers, uh, immigration specialists, everything around the world, like in so many different countries. But those relationships I've been building up for decades. I mean, I spent, oh my God, 
hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of dollars on building up my relationships with people. And I have a really strong relationship with a lot of them. Like a lot of them have been in my home. They've held my kids. I've had dinner with like all of them. I've gone out drinking or smoked cigars, which we talked about before with so many of them. And on multiple occasions, my network is a massive asset for my business. It's probably one of the biggest assets for my business and makes what I do so strong because I have invested invested in this. The other thing that I really invest in is the community. I'm investing a lot in our expat community. I've been doing a lot of meetups. So we've done meetups in Panama. We did meetups in Colombia and Brazil. We did the Christmas party where we had almost 50 people. My birthday party with, oh my God, I don't even know how many people. There's just so much that I'm investing in the community. And this costs me a lot of money. There's a lot of money that goes into this. And I don't make any money from holding these meetups. I don't, I don't charge anything for it. I don't sell tickets or anything like that. But I do believe that there is a lot of value by investing in the community, by making the connections from people meeting each other, from me meeting them face-to-face, from me meeting you face-to-face. Like if you've come to one of my events or if you've taken Zoom calls with me or if you've taken webinars or any of these types of things, which I do, especially the face-to-face ones and you get to shake someone's hand and look them in the eye and understand their mannerisms and their situation and their problems and how you can help them, this is, for me is a excellent investment because I think that the returns, the dividends that I'm going to get from this over the lifetime value, the lifetime relationship that I have with people, I believe that it will always work out in favor both of myself and in the community itself. So building that community is super important to me and I invest a lot of time, energy, effort, money into it. The last thing on the investment side that I will talk about before moving on is I invest in myself. I really do. I invest a lot in my education. This goes back to confidence. I am a very confident person. I have been a very confident person for a very long time. And I think that this is because I invest a lot in myself. I go to a lot of conferences. I pay for the best resources, the best information, the best courses, the best books. I have a library in my home. I actually have two libraries in my home. I have a library for my children with at least I would say about 1,100 or 1,200 books for my kids. We read to our children a lot. And I have a full library in my house with reference books, business books, economics books, immigration, taxation, so many books on rare subjects that you probably would not expect to see in someone's library, I have. I am varied in my interest levels and what I can speak intelligently on. I always describe myself as an autodidact polymath. So I would consider myself an expert in many different fields and I am also self-taught. A lot of that self-taught does come from books. Now, I have a lot of these books that are rare, out of print. I actually started collecting books, especially signed and autographed books. If people have been on the podcast and they are authors, I often ask them to send me a signed copy of the book. So I have a collection of signed books from guests who have been on the podcast. I have a lot of business books which are not available on Amazon or anything like that. I have a lot of books that cost three, $400. I even have some books that I paid about $1,200 for just to get specific pieces of information. This is stuff that you can't Google, you can't find online or in a YouTube video or anything like that. It's really highly, highly specialized information. Same thing with a lot of the legal work that I do. I'm not a lawyer by any means, but I do study a lot of the legal journals and the legal work and how these laws are put out. So I need specific 
books which are going to give me these pieces of knowledge. And this all helps build out my business and the information that I put together for my private clients when I'm designing structures for them. Okay. All right. So that is everything that I'm going to talk about in investment. Investment in relationship, investment in community, investment in myself and my education. Obviously, I do a lot of investments in equities and real estate, precious metals and crypto and all those types of things. But we've talked about those on lots of other episodes. Today, we're just talking about the systems, the processes, the things that are setting me up. And hopefully, you can take a lot of these things to set yourself up for success. So the next one is building systems. I build systems and processes for everything in my business. Not only that, I set up systems for everything in my life, how I do things, what order I do things in, the best time for doing things, what things I check when I get online, which websites, which journals, which things that I read. I have a system. I have it all laid out so that I don't miss anything and so that I'm not doubling up on the same things. I'm not going over and over and over the same thing. I want to make sure that I'm moving on. I'm getting the right information and being effective and efficient with my time. This is really important for success. The other things that I'm doing is I'm setting up a good work environment. So in my home office, I, like I said, I have three massive monitors. On one side, I have my telegram and my chat things that I'm working with the lawyers. So I constantly have that on the go. For my private clients who need it in emergency situations, with my private clients, I sometimes also give out my telegram or my signal address. So if there's an emergency, they can write me on there. Obviously, that's not for day-to-day -day shoot the shit, you know, water cooler, chit-chatting type of stuff. But if there's an emergency, I'm able to get back to my private clients really, really fast. Then I have my calendar and my schedule on another one. And then I am working from the center one. Also on the left one, I might use that if I need to do research or if I'm writing articles and I need to have multiple sites open and I'm writing new types of reports or special reports or, and I have to research from multiple sources, then I'll bring that up. I have raised these monitors. So I have this giant spider type of thing that raises them up to eye level so that I'm not straining my neck. I have a, a stool that I put in front of my arm. So if I'm recording a podcast, it puts me in the right type of posture. So I'm not leaning forwards. I can put my arms on it. I'm using it right now, actually, to kind of put me in the right position to help with my posture. I have my mic on a road boom arm so I can have it at exactly the right height for recording any type of content. My chair, I have a special type of cushion, an ergonomic cushion on the bottom and on the back that helps with my thoracic spine and gets that. My lumbar and my thoracic spine puts that in the right position. And then I have a foot rest, which elevates my knees a little bit. So I'm not putting too much strain on my lower back, on my lumbar spine. It puts me in the right type of position. I also use a reflexology roller. So several times a day, maybe 20 times a day, I'm using this on the bottom of my feet. i wear flip-flops around the house. I actually have special orthopedic flip-flops because I'm walking around so much in the house. I, I'm flat-footed. I have double collapsed arches. So I use that. And then I use the reflexology roller to kind of get into those pressure points. So kind of that Chinese medicine and dig into those pressure points and relieve a lot of stress 
that affects me from my feet. And this is all done from my desk. So having my desk set up in a really efficient and effective manner has helped me be very productive. I also make sure there's not too much clutter on my desk. I have the things that I need within easy reach. I always have my glass bottle of water or a steel water bottle here. I have my notepad. I have an extra large mouse pad so that I'm not straining with that. I'm not having to reach or anything like that. The lights that I use in here, everything is set up for having a clean, productive work environment and also for inspiring me and making me want to work. I actually enjoy work. I think it's one of the most interesting things that I do. I literally invented my job. I invented my job. I invented the podcast and, and my profession. I invented this from scratch. I literally was just thinking and meditating. Like, what do I want to do for a living? And I came up with this idea and I've created everything around me. So every day I am super stoked to go to work. But I also want to make sure my environment reflects that, that everywhere around me I have objects that inspire me. So things from my travel, the furniture that is here, it is comfortable. I have pictures of my family, I have pictures of my little girl. All of these things are all set up to inspire me and make me feel creative and allow me to do my best work. So I think that these are all things to set myself up for success. All right, next up is relationships. I think that this is a really important one and I think you should really pay attention. And I would make a real solid soul-searching exercise if I were you about this. Now, it is one of the nice things about being an expat. You really get to curate who you spend time with. When you move overseas, you get to decide, you know, which people in your life that you're going to keep and which people you're just going to stop messaging. And I have done this religiously throughout my life over many, many, many times. I've lived in nine different countries. So you can imagine how many people I've met in my life, how many groups of friends and individuals that I've had relationships with, friendships that I've formed. The best ones I am still friends with today. I have a friend, Lish, that I met when I lived in Western Canada when I was like 19 years old, who I still talk to every month. And, and we lived in the same city together when I was 19. And then when I lived in Australia, we lived in the same city there and we were friends there. And then when we lived in Singapore, we both lived in Singapore at the same time. So we've lived in three different cities around the world, not together together. She, it's not that type of a relationship, but as friends and living down the street from each other in three different cities. And I still talk to her now. We've been friends for over 25 years. I have another friend of mine, Adam, who I've known since I think it was like grade one, kindergarten or grade one. And he's coming to Panama to visit me in a few days or next week. He's traveled to Turkey with me and he's visited me in the UAE. He's traveled all over the world and we've gone on trips together. And I've known him since I was like six years old or something like this. I've known him for like 35 years. So I keep really the greatest people in my life and I really remove, I'm so brutal with this. I remove all the negative people from my life and I just stop spending time to them. I stop replying to them. I stop spending time with them. I just stop everything. I just, I, sometimes I tell them, sometimes I don't tell them, but I really curate this. And honestly, I don't care if it is someone I've known since I was a child, a new friend that I've just met and I'm supposed to give face to, and they're part of a group or even a family member, even family members, you know what I had to say to them, you know what, this is a toxic relationship. You're too negative. You're, you're complaining all the time. Your outlook, your perspective on life does not fit with what I think, with what I want in my life. And I am brutal with this. Yes, 
I mean, you might call me a horrible person and I should spend time with anybody and everybody, but honestly, at the end of the day, we only have so much time on planet Earth and I am not interested in spending it with crummy people. I want to only surround myself with really excellent, positive people who are there to support me and who I can support, who are positive and are going in the same direction. I would rather have less people in my life, but the people that I have, I love. I have a buddy of mine, Ken. I was just out for dinner with him the other night. And man, I can talk to him for hours and hours and hours and hours. And I always am so excited when he comes visit. I have another friend, Anders here, who's moved to Panama. And we can talk for four hours straight and never have anything that we're missing. I have such a huge group of friends here in Panama that are all so excellent. My buddy Greg, I've been friends with him for three years here in Panama. And we go out every month and we'll go and have lunch together and we'll talk for three hours straight about the most interesting things. And he's such a positive and, and upbeat person. I'm so stoked to know him. I'm so excited. And I have that with so many people here. I'm really, really fortunate. But I have to be really protective over my time and only spend it with the people that I really care about. Obviously, my family, like my kids, I want to spend time with them. They're like the most amazing people in the world. My daughter, five years old, we've taken her to 15 countries. She speaks English, Mandarin, Chinese, and Spanish all at native level, like beyond fluent, native level with proper accents, with mannerisms and tonality and pitch and cadence and everything in that language. And she's also now studying Russian. Every day we have two hours of private one-on-one -on -one Russian lessons for her and she's picking up Russian like crazy. She's so funny. She always makes me laugh. She's just an amazing human being and I want to spend as much time with her as possible. My wife is my best friend. I want to spend lots of time with her. I talk to her about everything. I tell her all my thoughts and all my feelings. I can share anything and everything with her. She's super supportive. She's been super supportive of me with this community and with the group and growing the consulting business and all of these things and moving around the world and all the countries that I've wanted to visit. She's been like my rock. I want to spend time with my family and with these types of friends. I don't want to spend it with crummy people, even if I've known the person forever or even if it's a family member, as sad as that is to say. So I think that having that curating that group and having that social aspect is really important. From the social side, we go out for dinner every single week, sometimes two or three times a week. I mean, for my birthday party, we're going out almost every day. There's people coming in. We're having dinners and drinks and outings. So there's always like an influx of that. When we go down to Brazil next month, we have so many friends there. We have a huge libertarian group. I'm sure we'll be seeing them every day. I think having that social aspect of your life and really reminding you why you work so hard is so important for success. Because success is not just the monetary side, it's also how it enriches in your life, how you can give back, how you can affect those in a positive aspect of the people around you. Also, on that same note of giving back, I am so thrilled to be involved with 1018. If you guys check out 1018 and the work that I'm doing there, we've met such great traction over the last year. If you actually go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash 1018, it'll redirect you to some of the videos that we've done of the people that we're helping. We've increased the donations by a massive amount. We've helped so many people there and that is so rewarding. And I'm so grateful to be in a good financial position where not only I can donate to that, but I can also donate my time and influence the community to be able to participate. That is wealth to me. That is fantastic. Doing philanthropic things 
things is so fantastic. And I've learned so much about this in the last year and then stepping up on the board of directors for a nonprofit and how that works and how to help and how to leverage my expertise and my reach and my network is fantastic. I am very, very blessed there. Okay, wow, this is going a bit longer than I expected. We still have a, a few more subjects to tackle here, but I hope that this is a good resource. I actually want this to be an episode where people will be able to go back and listen to it multiple times. Maybe I might even do a transcript of this episode. Maybe I might even turn it into a special report or something, because I really think that this is a lot here, that I'm sharing some really good information with you guys, and I hope that you use it in a way that is going to affect yourself, affect you and your family and your community in a positive light, that you're gonna be able to become more wealthy, be more productive and more happy and healthy. And through that, gonna be able to protect yourself from all this crap that's happening in the world right now. I always wanna be a shining light, a beacon of light, a beacon of hope. That's why I try not to talk about too much of the doom and gloom. I know what's happening in the world. I know all the stuff with Ukraine, with the COVID stuff, with all these wars and the psychopathic governments and the socialism that is rampant. I know all of these types of things. I choose not to write about it every single day because I want to be a positive influence. I think that my people that are out there already know what the problems are. I don't want to focus on the problems. I want to focus on the solutions. So that's what this episode is today. These are 94 solutions. These are 94 things to help point your life in the right direction. All right, education. Be very protective over where you get your information. I certainly am. I want to make sure where I get my information, I understand what type of lens that it is presented in, whether that be a political lens or an economic lens or a business lens. I want to understand where the information is coming from. From. What is the person's motivation who is giving it? You know, if, if, if they're a hardcore communist, if they're a commie, I probably don't want to listen to what they're saying because the lens that they have is going to be one of socialism and communism and taking, distributing wealth. And these are not beliefs that I believe in. These are not values that I respect. Yes, I understand that scientific research can be valuable even if it comes from a communist, but you have to understand that with a lot of the things that are happening right now, they're ignoring science. Even the scientists are ignoring science because of the political agenda that is being put forth. They want to say, all right, you write about this. This is what you're going to get a grant for. This is the research that we want done. And if they don't, if they do things that are outside of this, then they can actually not get renewed for their grant. People can lose their medical license if they write about things that are unpopular or do not toe the line. So you have to be really careful about where you get your information from. I am very protective over all of these. What I read, what I watch, what I listen to, what kind of books I can consume, podcasts, Audible, any of these types of things. I'm really protective over my time, the input, because what I put in my body, not just the food and the supplements and the water like we talked about before, but also the mental, the energy, the information, the knowledge, what I put in my brain is what I'm going to get out, is what I'm going to be able to put out in content, in newsletter, in my interactions with my private clients, in this podcast, in the YouTube, all of these types of things. I have to treat it like a fortress. Don't want to put junk into my mind. So that's why I often don't know, you know, I don't watch any local mainstream media news. I watch all the political angles, how it's being presented. If I do watch anything and I watch it from a commie type of point of view, from a new world order point of view, then I know that going in and I can spot within seconds, 
keywords and lexicon and vocabulary and ideas that come from this direction. And I know to protect myself from it. I put up a, a barbed wire and a moat and a drawbridge to protect myself from these negative and these evil ideas that are being put forward. So I encourage you guys to do the same. Be really protective over your information. Also, side note on this, I do a lot of research on the guests that come on the podcast to understand where they come from, what their lens are, so that when we put out information on the Expat Money Show podcast, you can already be assured that it comes from the same type of belief pattern that we have. It is one of liberty, of freedom, of prosperity, of adventure, of hope, of inspiration, all of these types of things. These are our core values. These are the tenements that we strive for. Okay, continuing on on education. I read about three hours a night. As I said, I don't watch a lot of movies. Maybe once a week, I'll watch a movie with my wife or something like that, or we might have family movie night, but I prefer to read. I read probably about three hours a night. This is split usually between audio books or physical books. I don't read a lot on the Kindle. Sometimes I do but not usually. I like physical books. I like the feel of them. I like the paper. I like it being in my library. Also, if anything ever happens to the power grid and I can't charge my Kindle, I don't want to be without these types of physical records, especially any of my reference books. I want to be able to go back to them in my library at any time. So I read for about three hours a night. I would say I probably do that about six days a week. I read on average about 100 books a year. I do track it. I have been tracking it for years on end. So I know that, like when I say I've read over 2,000 economic and business and legal and tax books, I mean it. I mean, I didn't come up with that number out of nowhere. I mean, I've tracked this. I've been reading this way for well over 20 years. I'd probably say I've been reading like this for maybe about 25 years, I would say, reading at this clip. Sometimes, I think last year I only read like 85 books. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but it was about 85 or 86 books. But I think the year before that, I read like 122 books or 121 books, somewhere around that. It was 120 plus. When I lived in the UAE, I was always hitting over 100 books, 110, 115 books. So while that is on average, I normally focus on reading nonfiction books. I like autobiographies as well. I like stories about people who have actually done real things in their lives. I read a lot of business books. I try not to make them too dry. Like I'm not reading textbooks by any means, but I do read some pretty dense things. But on top of that, I also like to read on occasion some fiction books. I think it's important for me to read fiction books one, because it helps with my creativity. It helps me look at things in different types of lenses. I think it also makes me a better creative writer because when I try to do my newsletters, I'm always trying to tell a story. Yes, there are things that happen to me in my life, but I'm trying to teach and educate through anecdotes. I want to educate. I want to give information. But if I just put you know, the bullet points of these are the, the main things to think about, or this is what you need to think about in your business, or this is the change to the law, it'd be really dry and boring to read. And I don't want that. I mean, I have an amazing open rate on my email newsletter. I have 
tens of thousands of people who read my content every single day. I mean, my newsletter, a lot of people think that my podcast is the most popular. Actually, my newsletter is the most popular. I have more people read the newsletter than anything else. Like I get tens of thousands of people who read the newsletter every day. If you guys are not on the newsletter, then I don't know why. I mean, I would say my newsletter is my best content, even better than the podcast. And I get a lot of accolades for the podcast. I think that we'll actually, we're going to put our names forward for some awards this year. I think we're going to be nominated and this will be an award-winning podcast. We'll have to see how the end of the year goes, but I'm pretty confident that we'll win this year. So that will be really neat. But the newsletter, if you guys go to expatmoneyshow.com or anything like that, or just type in, you know, Mikkel Thorpe expat money newsletter, I'm sure that you'll find that on there and get on there. So I want with the creative writing, I, I need to see good examples of that. And through that, I read a lot of fiction. I personally like fantasy. I've been reading fantasy since I was a teenager. I've read entire fantasy series, which are like 10 or 20 books, and I just devour them in no time. If I get into a good fantasy series, I don't read for three hours a night. If I can, I'll read for like eight hours in a day especially on the weekends if I have nothing else to do or if I'm just sitting around the house and my kids are occupied or playing, I'll sit in the hammock. I have a hammock in my house. I'll sit there for like eight hours and read all day long and I'll pound through hundreds of pages. I can speed read. I've trained in speed reading, but with my fiction, I try not to speed read because I want to savor every second of it. I want to allow my brain time to visualize things. I have a really deep third eye where I can visualize everything in a book. I can close my eyes and create anything. I can build things in my brain. I can build emails or marketing campaigns or entire books or the table of contents and what's going to be said or podcast episodes. I can build the entire thing in my mind visually how it will look and then put it into the real world. I have a really deep creative thought and I, I think it's one of the reasons that I am a really good consultant because I'm able to put myself in my client's perspective, understand things from their point of view, and then visualize how everything will fit together from the tax side, the structuring side, the investments, the immigration, the legal, the gold vaults, the real estate, the travel, the digital nomad aspect, where they're going to spend time. I am able to create this entire plan. And at the end of working with them, we've transformed their entire life to something that they're so happy with. It's like we're designing the life of their dreams. And I mean, I'm not doing it. I'm helping them. I'm just beside them to bring forth all of these things. And yes, I provide the hard knowledge, the concrete information and the network, but really I'm co Focusing out a lot of these things for them and helping them to create the art and paint the picture of what their life is going to be, then put it in place and make it a reality. That's what the consulting is all about. And it's so rewarding. I just love doing it. But I think it comes back to this creativity. And in certain instances, it really comes back to my acquiring knowledge and acquiring these skills through massive amounts of reading, these 100 to 120 books that I read every single year. Now, I, as I said, I like to read the physical books, but I also like Audible. I've had an Audible account for years and years and years. I'm always buying more credits. I'm always going through these. I have hundreds of books that I've read on there. I like Audible also for a lot of the history books that I read. 
I've read a ton on Roman history, Roman history, Greek history, Italian history, Renaissance. I've also read a lot on Chinese history. My wife is from mainland China, so understanding the history of China, where she's come from and how society has been shaped there is really interesting to me. I think it's another one of my specialities is the that crossroads between the East meets West and the perspective of the Asians and how we can interact there. It's also why I spend so much time making sure that my kids are learning Mandarin Chinese, that we celebrate a lot of the Asian heritage and a lot of the Asian festivities in the house. The culture is really important. So I, I try to understand different countries' cultures, not just Chinese, not just Western culture, but all of the cultures that I visit, I try to understand these histories. So I, I love to read about these things in a really deep knowledge. So if I pick something that I want to understand, like say Western philosophy, you know, and I decide like, this is what I really want to read about. I'll read like 20 history books on this topic from different points of view, from different people and different biographies of characters that are in it. So I have a firm base of how these all fit together and their relationships with one another. Then I'm able to look at the parallels between a thousand years ago, 2000 years ago, and how things played out and how things are playing out today. Understanding the economic situation between this and make connections, I think is fantastic. It's something that I want to put more into my writing and is going. I'm going to allow myself to be more inspired by this. But this is all setting me up for success. All of this type of reading, the audible, where I get my information, this all sets me up for success. The other thing that I do on the same type of niche for the audio listening is podcast. I started a podcast because I love podcasts. I've been listening to podcasts for, I don't know, maybe 10 years or something like that. Still today, I listen to podcasts. I have my list of podcasts that I really like. I listen to a lot of freedom-orientated podcasts. I listen to a lot of geopolitics podcasts. Actually, I think that's the best way to get my geopolitics is through podcasts because they talk about things in more or less real time. As long as you can wait a day or two, you'll probably find some really excellent geopolitics that will come out. Same with my economics. I, I do a lot of like current economics off of podcasts. If I'm learning about it, through like historical economics, how World War II affects today, or how Austrian School of Economics works and functions and the history of it, then I'll do audio books or physical books. But if I'm talking about economics for today, then podcast is the way to go for me. The only other thing that I really do from the learning side, sometimes I will take legal classes or CPA, like accounting type of classes through a university, through an online program. So you can use programs like Coursera and you can find some excellent stuff on there. Once again, you have to understand the political lens that is being presented in. Higher education is traditionally taken over by the socialists. So you have to be really careful on the filter that this is presented in. But for a lot of technical information, especially from the legal side, like, I mean, I've taken courses like American law and American law history, international law, tax law, all of these types of courses I might take from a Ivy League university through an online program and gone through those. I don't really worry about the accredited programs because I don't give a shit about a piece of paper. I mean, I dropped out of school when I was a child. That tells you how much I give a shit about having a paper behind me. I think that people who interact with me would understand that I am highly, highly, highly educated, but I did not go the traditional route and that's okay. There is not only one way to gain knowledge. Now, you have probably listened to more than just this episode of the podcast. I'm going to 
guests. This is not your first time here. So you can judge over the last 178 episodes, do I know what I am talking about or don't I know what I'm talking about? In my newsletter where we write a daily correspondence or in the Facebook group or in my interactions and meetups or if you've met me on conferences, you're going to know if I'm legit and I'm the real thing and I can help you or not. I mean, I don't need to tell you, I don't need to convince you of anything. I would say that my actions speak for themselves. So I'm not worried about, oh yes, I have a three letters behind my name or an M, a PhD or something like this. I don't need that. And if you guys need that to work with me, then probably we're not on the same page at all. And maybe this is not the right podcast for you. So I will go out there and then I will be very blunt about these types of things. I respect real life experience. I expect hard won knowledge. I expect deep, deep study from people who have done things, apprenticeship and mentorship, something that I believe in huge, not just as a child. Like, I mean, I did a lot of mentorship as a child, but I also did a lot of mentorship as an adult as well. Even the school that we started at, expatschool.io, it is one of the core things that we do in the school is mentorship. I mean, I mentor some of the kids that are there. I have a young mentee named Tristan that I work with every couple of weeks and he's able to ask me questions and that doesn't cost any more when you enroll your kid in the school you're going to the child will be matched up with a really excellent entrepreneur who has built something in their life that the child can learn from and give advice from something outside of the teachers something outside of the parents this is really important stuff how someone acquired their information you know did they go to a university and study from a textbook the the person teaching the things just learned it through an academic sense, but I've never done it in a tangible real life way. Everything that I've done here is real life. Everything that I'm talking about is real life. It's from me visiting over a hundred countries. It's from me building multiple businesses and generating millions upon millions of dollars of revenue and doing investments around the world. That's where I get my information from. All of these things, they stack up, they build on one another. And all of this is what has led me to success. Okay, we're going to switch gears here a little bit. We've got three more here. All right, supplementation. I saved this all for the end. You know, I hinted that I do spend quite a bit of money on supplementation. I believe in supplementation. I believe in really high quality supplementation. And the first one that I want to talk to you about is nootropics. So nootropics is actually looking at science and how we can get the most out of our own minds. Our minds our energy levels, our intelligence, how we can affect this, how we position ourselves for success. I use a company called Qualia. I think that's how you pronounce it. And I'm taking, oh, geez, probably about 30 of their pills a day. Each bottle I use is about $100 a month. And I take their life, what are this? Qualia Mind, Life, Night, Focus, and I used immune once, and vision. Vision was the last one, which is actually really interesting. When you start to understand and study eye health, the quality of your eyes and how you can support your eyes actually has a direct correlation on your intelligence. Intelligence, I swear. Go look it up, how you process information, how your body processes information. So making sure that you have the right vitamins and minerals and compounds and enzymes in your body that will support eye health to make sure that you don't overtire your eye or damage your eyes, that you don't get too much UV light, that you protect it. This is really, really important. So I use a lot of these nootropics 
for my energy levels, but also for the health of my body, for the cells and how my body produces energy through the mitochondria. So I spend hundreds of dollars with this company every month. I really like them. They've been recommended by some of the people that I really respect. I follow a lot of really high-end biohackers and what they do. They swear by these guys. They produce, they publish all the scientific research so you can go and see the compounds and the research reports, which is done on the studies of these compounds, these herbs and these different things how it's done and the type of studies and who was involved in it, the sampling size of it. Is it conclusive? Is it not conclusive? This is not quackery here. This is not snake oil salesman here. This is a really legit company, really high quality, but yes, you have to pay good money for it. I've had good results with them. I really like them. Okay, the next set here, I wanna go through these a little bit faster for you. So some of the other vitamins that I'm taking on a daily basis are vitamin C, vitamin D. I take zinc with copper. I take spirulina, organic spirulina every day. With every single meal, I get this organic, I think it's off the coast of Hawaii, it's produced. Spirulina has all the vitamins and minerals in it. I take krill oil, it's my DHA, so my omega-3 fatty acids in the right balance. I used to take regular fish oil like salmon oil, but actually I found that krill oil is a much higher concentration as well. There's not mercury in it, so it's really good. What else do I take? I take boron. I get selenium every day. I take it through Brazil nuts. So I get organic dry roasted Brazil nuts, or actually I think they're organic raw Brazil nuts, which have the highest concentration of selenium. And if I take a couple of those a day, then it hits my needed selenium. This helps with bone health, with immune support, with all of these types of things. I actually talked on episode 146 with my friend, Seem Land. He, I'm actually a client of his. I hired him to write a lot of my supplementation plan. And I've talked to him on the phone and we, we interviewed him and he's super, super smart. You should definitely go back and listen to that episode, episode 146. I really like his work, but also putting this together, a lot of my supplementation by working with some other biohackers as well. So the other one that I do is the nootropics that are done through the fruiting body, the mushrooms of the mycelium network. And I use a company called Kappa Health. It's C-A-A-P-A health.com, H-E-A-L-T-H, kappahealth.com. And speaking of Seam, he actually has a discount code. We can use his discount code. So obviously I don't get anything from this, but he will, he'll get a small affiliate check for that, but that's cool, let's support him. But most importantly, you are gonna get a 15% discount on it. I use these products myself. So if you type in Seam Land, S-I-I-M Land, L-A-N-D, uh, at checkout, you'll get 15% there. So I found that for you. And I take four of theirs. I take the lion's mane, which I talked to you about. I take that first thing in the morning, especially on work days. Then I take the chaga tinteture, a reishi tinteture, and a shiitake tinteture. I take these four every day. Actually, the shiitake, I don't take every day. I don't think all of them I take every day. Depends how I'm feeling. Some of them help with immune support. Some of them help with the neuroplasticity of your brain and creating new neural pathways. So actually strengthening your brain and reinforcing the good behavior and the memories that you have. So to help keep your brain healthy and make you smarter, believe it or not, a lot of these different types of mushroom tinctures help with this. It's all growing in the Nordic regions 
of Scandinavia, and they're all 100% organic. The process is revolutionary. These are not mushrooms that come from China. This is not knockoff stuff. This is coming from the highest, highest quality. It is not cheap. I will forewarn you right now, but if you're serious about your health and your mental state and protecting your brain, then this is something that you really want to look at. Go and read the research on it. Go do your own research. Obviously, nothing I'm discussing today is medical advice. I think you know that by now. It's, it is worth repeating, but these are really powerful, powerful tintures and I'm a big fan of them. That and the nootropics, I think, has had a massive effect on my bottom line. So those are the things that I wanted to talk to you about. Supplementation, I love supplements. I would say probably throughout the day, I probably take about 40 or 45 pills a day. Not, not necessarily different pills, but probably about 45 pills a day. I've had my plan specifically designed based on my height and weight and goals. This is not something that I just started researching out of nowhere. I highly encourage you to work with a professional on these types of things. It's worth the money to design this based on your needs because what I'm telling you works for me might not work for you. I'm just telling you these are the things that I have done in the last couple of years to set myself up for success, okay? Moving on. In the evening, to get myself ready for bed, I'm, I focus probably about two or probably even more than that, maybe four hours before going to bed, I'm already teeing things up so that when I go to sleep, I'm gonna have some excellent sleep. So I don't watch screens. I really limit any type of screen time before this. Like I said, one night a week, I'll watch a movie, but we're probably done the movie by 9 p.m. And if I'm going to bed at 11 or midnight, I still have a couple of hours between them. Now on my phone, I have a blue light blocking app, which changed the blue light on it from about 6 or 7 p.m., it takes out that. Then from about 9 p.m., it changes over to grayscale. So I have two different types of levels. It actually blocks all colors from the light. I told you I don't use a Kindle much anymore, but the Kindle that I have, actually I have two Kindles. I have a gray, a black and white one, which is not backlit, which I can read from, but then I have a Kindle Fire as well. So I don't use that at night, but if I had to use one, I would use the one which is not backlit for my reading. What else? I replaced all the lights in our bedroom from a normal condescent bulb or LED bulb to one that is a blue light blocking bulb. The, the light bulb itself actually does not produce blue light on the spectrum. I did a lot of research on this. I think I pay about $25 or $30 per bulb. So we replaced all of the bulbs in our bedroom with these. So even if, when I'm reading at night, I'm not getting any blue light around us. We also use candles at night. Candles are a very excellent natural source of light. It can actually also start to give off a little bit of red light as well, which can signal to your body that it's time to go to sleep. If you think of history and how humanity evolved, normally they would be sitting around the campfire and these types of things, this red light signifies to your body that it's time to start preparing for bed. It helps get your circadian rhythm in check, which is really, really Really important. These days I'm trying to go to bed at around 10 p.m. I am traditionally go to bed at around midnight, but I am now trying to move my sleep schedule sooner because my son who sleeps in the room with us is getting up really early. He's not sleeping as much. 
we used to be able to put him down to sleep at around like 8 or 9 p.m. And he would sleep pretty much soundly until about 8 or 9 the next morning. But he's not needing to sleep as much anymore. So if we still do that, he starts getting up at 6 or 7 a.m., which is too early for me if I'm going to bed at midnight. So now I'm trying to move my sleep schedule sooner a little bit. I found with my circadian rhythm that actually this is a pretty good time for me around 11, 11 max 12 o'clock but we're going to try to move it up to about 10 o'clock and see how that works. But when we start heading upstairs, maybe about 7, 8 o'clock after dinner, we light a few candles. It helps as well. If I'm doing the sauna or the steam room, we'll have candles in there. It makes for a nice environment, and it just kind of sets everyone up to know that it's time for bed. Also, we, we try to turn off all electric devices in the room. We don't have a TV in our bedroom. We try not to have too many of the plugs or devices or anything like that because we don't want any of that EMF that's going to interfere with our sleep. So we're really natural about these things. And if we have like a dozen candles going, it makes for a really nice feel through the room and I can spend a couple of hours unwinding before I actually go down to sleep. Okay, also at night, I do cupping. So there's actually a lot of scientific research that shows the benefits of cupping. I don't do it every day, but I do do it several times a week. You can find online these cupping sets where you can do them yourself. They're either made from rubber or silicone and you can have them applied. We don't do with the heat ones. We might start doing them at some point with my wife's help. It does come from Chinese traditional medicine. My wife is Chinese, but she has never studied Chinese medicine. She knows and understands a lot of it, of course, because it's a cultural aspect. But I'm also looking from the Western side, what are the health benefits on these types of things? So really, I'm, I'm not going to get too technical on it, but one of the main things that it does is it helps bring a lot of the blood flow to that area, which can help repair damaged tissues. And also if you have aches in that muscle. So if you have any trouble in your trapezius, your deltoid, or anything in the anterior chain of the muscles, then a lot of the cupping can be really good. Now you have to understand a little bit about what you're doing. You can't just put them anywhere. You don't want to put them on a gland or a pressure point or any of those types of things. They're not for organs or, you know, if it is for organs, then you have to be really careful that you know what you're doing and you're properly trained in those types of things. So I'm not saying do that, but any of the large muscle groups, especially in the anterior chain, then they're really, really beneficial. And you can do a lot of this yourself. You put the cup on for about 10 minutes. You don't need to use heat for the suction. With these new ones that are produced, a lot of it is a, it will create its own suction. And there's not too much that can go wrong as long as you follow, like I said. You can also find on YouTube a lot of videos on how to properly do this. So I've really been enjoying the cupping. Well, maybe enjoy is not actually the best word. And it's not really enjoying. They're pretty strong. It can be a quite an intense feeling. It really stretches your fascia and all of this kind of elastic band that goes over top of your body and encompasses your muscle. It helps stretch this, which can be not painful, but kind of uncomfortable sometimes, especially if you're not used to it, but there are massive health benefits to it. So I encourage you to start looking at cupping and if you can incorporate it into your life, it's certainly helped with a lot of the knots that I've had in my back. 
The other two big things that have really helped my back or things that I've been doing for years and I think are really important is massage. So we do manual deep tissue with my wife doing it. She's very generous with her time and gives me a massage a few times a week. But on top of that, I also have a massage pillow, which I can lay on from my neck or for any of my shoulder muscles. And that really get in there and I can spend 30, 40 minutes on that type of stuff. I also have a muscle gun, which is an ingenious device. It basically looks like a power drill with a giant ball on the front of it. But instead of going around and around, it goes forwards and backwards. It's like a hammer, just like a high speed hammer. And you can really get into these deep spots. I use it a little bit for my neck and my back, but I use it actually more for my hips because the massage can be really difficult to get in on your hips, but the muscle gun on your IT band or any of those types of ones, oh my God, it's so painful. Or my glutes, oh my God, a muscle gun in there is like crazy. But it really helps with the posture and makes sure that you can stand up straight. The only warning I will have for the muscle gun is don't go for too long or too hard. You can actually bruise the muscle, which will do the opposite of what you want. So don't overdo it on the muscle gun. I also have another thing that I do, and actually I forgot to write this down. So this is not one of the 94, I guess this is gonna be 95, but let's just say 94 things. I have a heat mat that I use that if I'm really having back pains, I'll lay on the heat mat. I actually have two of them. One that goes over my neck and my shoulders and another one that's just for my back that I lay on top of. It's not a traditional heat pad. A traditional one just does electric heat. This one is a little bit different. This one actually does far infrared light. So before we were talking about near infrared and red light therapy, this is far infrared light. It's another light on the spectrum and it actually produces heat. We don't do straight far infrared light. What I have is jade stones that are, it covers the entire thing in jade stones. You can, you can only guess what I paid for this device. It was not cheap by any means, but the far infrared heats the jade stones and it gives you this amazing warmth feeling and it relaxes the muscles. So I might do cupping and massage therapy and a muscle gun. And if I'm really having a lot of pain with my back, I'll pull out this jade mat and I'll lay on it for half an hour or an hour and I'll raise my legs as well so that I get more blood flow to my back and heat the muscle and it goes right deep into my body and it just feels amazing and it just refreshes everything. So I spent a lot of time on my back. I've injured my back in the past and I'm not looking forward to doing it again. So also I spend so much time on the computer, I have to really be careful about these things. So I spend a lot of time caring for my body. Now I double these things up. As I said, I can be doing a some massage and some heat therapy, but I'll also have my audio book on at the same time, or I'm doing my reflection or my meditation. So I stack all of these habits, one on top of the other. That book, Atomic Habits by James Clear, where he talks about habit stacking is phenomenal. I read that book three times last year and just love that concept. So everything I'm trying to do is either doing habits one after the other at the same time, or I know when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is drink some water and with the water, I have my creatine. Then I take my lion's mane. Then I brush my teeth. Then I have my espresso and everything is in a 
sequence that everything happens the same way every single day. So if this, then that. If I lay down to do my massage therapy, then I'm putting in my headphones to listen to my book. If I'm doing my red light therapy, then I have a printed off report on the economics of what's happening in Eastern Europe and I'm going through that. Or I'm reading a financial report from one of the equities that I hold in my portfolio. You know, these types of things, I know exactly what's going to happen next because I stack these types of things. So all of these things work together. That's how I get all 94 of these done every single day. All right. So, okay. We have been going a lot longer than I expected to do this episode, but let's keep going. Let's keep this going strong. Maybe you guys can split this into two or three episodes. Listen to it. Part one, part two. Okay. The last thing is sleep. I aim for nine to 10 hours of sleep a night nine to 10 hours. They say, oh, you need eight hours of sleep a night. Not me. I need like 10 hours of sleep a night. It's funny because a lot of people accuse me of not sleeping enough. What, do you only sleep like two hours a night? How do you get so much stuff done? No, I'm very purposeful about everything in my life. That's how I get so much stuff done. For me, I need to sleep. Ideally is about 10 hours. I use a sleep tracker. So it's not just the amount of time in bed. I really need the amount of sleep. So I track how much REM, how much slow wavelength sleep that I get, basically deep sleep, and then how much of light sleep that I get. If I'm not careful, then my awake time can be really huge. So I could be in bed for eight or nine hours, but maybe I only slept for seven hours or six hours, which is not enough for me. I try to get 100% sleep score every night. If I've gotten less than 95, then that sucks. Like I'm not happy with that at all. So I do so many things to try to make sure that I'm going to get 100% sleep score. And I try never, ever, ever to run in a sleep deficit. I try to always make sure that my sleep bank account has a full balance. I never want to overextend myself. Maybe if I have a travel day or something like that, then I might not get enough sleep on that. But I always travel in business class. So even when I'm on board, if it's a long enough flight or I try to take a nap on board so make sure that I get enough sleep if I've had to get up at a ridiculously early time. But we try not to travel during night times and we try not to travel where we're going to have to get up at 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. or something like that. I like to travel during the day. I would rather put in my podcast. I'd rather download that or audiobooks, download all of that and spend that time in productive learning. But if I have to, I'll nap on board. So I try to aim for about 10 hours of sleep a night. It's not easy to do. You have to be very purposeful about it. But in this section, we can talk some of the reasons. We can talk about the ways to get the most out of that. So as I said, I use a sleep tracker. Also on the sleep tracker, I keep a digital diary of all of the things that I do. So did I do red light therapy? Did I take a melatonin? Did I take, what's it called, a CBD, which actually I forgot to put on this list. I guess that's 96. Actually, I'll talk about that really quickly and then I'll move on or then I'll come back to this. Slight digression here. If I have any type of pain and our headache or migraine, first and foremost, I will drink a giant glass of water. If it's still bothering me, I'll take a, a walk around. If it's still bothering me after that, then I will lay on the massage pillow and I'll try to push it out because a lot of that happens through my neck and my shoulders. That's the type of headaches I have. If I still can't get rid of it, then I will take a CBD gummy or a gel cap or something like that 
which has this type of cannabis with the THC removed. So it doesn't affect my judgment or my mood or anything like that. Nah, it, it affects my mood as it makes me more calm, but it doesn't get me high or anything like that. But it, it's a muscle relaxant. It lets things relax and it takes care of a lot of the pain. I stopped taking paracetamol or, or what we would call in the West acetaminophen. I stopped taking those and ibuprofen and uh, neurofin or naproxen or any of these types of painkillers. I started to stop taking those about a year ago now. I used to have to take that several times a week. In my strive to reduce and take, take out all chemicals, I've worked hard on removing all of these types of things as well, and only have natural. So this is really good. I use one called Organics. What's it called? Joy Organics. Actually, if you guys go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash joy, then it's going to redirect you. And I think there's some special discounts there for you as well. It's the ones that I use. I think that they're really, really excellent. I think I even wrote about it on the newsletter before. Yeah, I did. I put it in one newsletter because someone was asking. I really like their products anyways. So if you go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash joy, it'll redirect you there. And I think that there's some type of a special discount. I can't remember if what it is or not. But anyways, I really like that. I think that those are really good. Okay, to go back, sorry about the digression there. The sleep tracker on the diary tracks all of these types of things. So if I've had to take some of these cannabis products, then I can put that in there. How did that affect my sleep? If I stretched or it was my exercise day, how did that affect my sleep? If I, so if I spent a lot of time with my kids and I, I have gratitude in my life, you know, I can put that in there. I can see how these things affect me. There's so many, there's got to be about a hundred of them. I just take out the ones that don't make sense for me. And I just have the a short list of the ones that I do. It takes me about, I'd say about a minute every single morning. It's one of the first things that I do is I fill out this diary, how it affected me. And then the system itself makes correlations. And I get to see those every single month on a PDF report. So I know that, all right, for most people taking melatonin helps them say have 7% better sleep. But for me, it only makes sense. It only does about 4% better sleep. So it helps, but it doesn't help that much. So there's some other things like that as well. I, I really encourage you guys check out different type of sleep trackers. I use a sleep mask. So think about the ones that you would find on board an aircraft if you're traveling in first or business class and they give these out. It's like that, but I went on Amazon and I found like a really high quality one, which has a memory foam around the eyes. So it still allows you to blink inside. It doesn't press on your eyeballs or your eyelid. It just blocks out the light and it blocks out 100% of the light. I think they're not expensive. I think they're like $25 or something for this, but it's totally breathable. They do them out of natural materials and they're really, really high quality one. So I don't put it on when I go to sleep because my room is completely dark. We have blackout curtains in there, but in the mornings, I put it on as well because sometimes a little bit of light can come through and I don't want to be woken up. So if I get up and I use the washroom in the middle of the night, or if I start to wake up in the morning and I need, I feel like I need a little bit more sleep, I'll put the sleep mask on and it helps me fall back asleep straight away. When I go to sleep, I put on white noise. We've been doing this for probably, probably about eight or 10 
months now. Yeah, it must be that long because we were doing it with as soon as my son was born. So I use a company called Brain FM. I really like them. They produce white noise. It's an application. I think it's $49 a year, I put it. But it's all scientifically backed on the type of noise that they do. So they create this music and underneath it, they have these, I don't know how to exactly explain it, but it will help put your mind in a different type of state. So they have different wavelengths, like an alpha wave or a beta wave. I can't remember exactly all the terms for this. But the type of state that you want to be in, there is a special type of repetitive music which will help get you into that. So if I'm doing a really intense writing project, I put this in. You don't make it too loud. It kind of goes at like a light or a medium volume kind of in the background, but it gets rid of all excess noise or traffic or anything that's outside. And it replaces that with something that's going to help focus you. And at night, they have special ones to help you sleep. So I've been using this every single night since my son was born. And I guess he's 10 months right now. So I guess we've been doing it for 10 months and we've been having amazing sleep with it. So I really recommend that. There's so many research reports you can read about. It's really interesting. When we first got to Panama here, we went to the store and I said, just give me whatever the best bed is. I was like, okay, this is the best bed we have. This is the most expensive best bed. I said, okay, I'll take two of them. I bought one for me, I bought one for my mother. But actually, it was ended up being too soft. I didn't like it. So then a few months later or a year later, I bought a second bed, and we bought an orthopedic bed, which is super hard. It's like almost like a piece of wood. But it's really good for my back, and it doesn't throw my spine out of alignment. I'm a side sleeper, so I have to be really careful about this. So we got that, and we put the really nice other bed in one of the spare rooms. We have two spare rooms here. So I also got a pillow for side sleepers, and it's a memory foam. I think I paid about $150 for my pillow, but it's really high quality, and it is a fantastic investment. I'm in love with this pillow. It's a memory foam, and I really, really like it. On top of that, I got introduced to a silk pillowcase which has copper ions through it. It's actually, it's a pillow slip, not a cover. And it has this copper ions that go through it. The company is called envypillow.com, E-N-V-Y pillow.com. They're also not cheap. I think we pay about $100, maybe $110 per pillow slip, but they're supposed to last forever. And what it does is it has these copper ions in it and it kills any type of germs or bacteria. Nothing can go through. So any type of dust mites that I was talking to you about before, it gets rid of all these. It's really good for your skin and your complexion. And there's a lot of research that on this that shows. I think that there's several companies that do this, but this was the highest rated company I could find. And on the biohacking sites, these guys get a lot of respect. It's made in Canada. And we had all the pillow slips replaced in the house. So I think we bought like a half a dozen of these and replaced them for my kids and for my wife and my mother and everything. It's one of those things that you're not going to feel instantly, but you do know that it's working and it helps to make sure that you have really excellent sleep throughout the night. We also use a bamboo sleep mat, so it adds a little bit more firmness to our already firm mat, but it helps with air circulation. 
They're basically like one one by one and a half centimeter little bamboo tiles that are handmade and stitched together. These are really popular in Asia. It's very traditional to sleep on a bamboo mat. My wife brought this in. She had it specially shipped from China over. It's like a piece of artwork. It's so beautifully made and it was all done by hand and it's this mosaic and we have a king size bed. So the thing is huge and it probably weighs like, I don't know, like 50 or 60 or 70 pounds because it's solid wood. Well, not solid wood, it's, it's these tiles of wood, but it's all natural and I really like it a lot. It adds with the air circulation and it makes sure you don't sweat. It doesn't hold a lot of heat, which a bed can hold. You know, we live in the tropics here, so it can get very hot here as well. So we use this bamboo sleep mat, very traditional in Asian. Okay, we're down to the last couple things. Oh my God, what a marathon. So melatonin and GABA. I don't take these every night, but I do take them on occasion. I take a gummy that's produced by Bulletproof. They have a really high quality one that I like. They, I take their gummy. I would probably take it more if it was not a gummy actually, because sometimes when I want to take it, I've already brushed and flossed my teeth and done all my dental stuff. So I don't want to mess my teeth up again. So I don't take it. You know, if I need to, or I think maybe I'm a little bit wired, then I might take it. But it's more than just helping you fall asleep. Melatonin can actually help with sinking your circadian rhythm. So if I've done any travel or if I've crossed time zones, I'll make sure to take it straight away the first couple of nights so that I sink myself on the new time zone. Especially if I'm going for more than a week, then I'll take it. It can also help with immune support. There's a lot of studies that are coming out now showing that melatonin and high levels of melatonin will help with immune support and with longevity. So there are actual health benefits for it. And if you take melatonin, you don't actually fatigue your body and stop your body from producing it. So you can take it. You could take it every night for five years and then stop taking it. Your body will naturally start producing melatonin again. So it's not like something like being on keto, where if you went five years and you had no carbs, your body would not actually be able to process glucose any longer and you could actually make yourself a diabetic and, and really screw up your blood glucose levels with this and mess up your entire life. So that's why with like a keto, you want to make sure you're still eating carbs once or twice or a few times a month. You don't want to go like hardcore zero carbs. But with melatonin, you could take it every single night if you wanted to. I don't need to. I take it once a week or like I said, if I'm traveling. Same with the GABA. It just kind of helps make me relaxed and puts me in a good spot. I take some of the other pills at night or some of the tintatures at night like the shiitake I might take on nights. I also will find that those ones really affect my dreams. I can have really vivid dreams if I take some of mushroom tintatures at night. And then I take magnesium at night as well. I take magnesium no matter what, every single night. I take two pills and the one that I use, if you guys go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash breakthrough, all one word, breakthrough, it'll take you to that. It's seven different types of magnesium and it's a really high quality product. I've been taking it for a while now and I really like it. The magnesium actually had a massive difference on my sleep schedule. I think I used to only sleep like six or seven hours. I started taking magnesium and I started getting like an extra hour of quality sleep every night and start waking up in the mornings just feeling amazing. So there we have it. My goodness, we've probably gone for what, two hours now. If you're still listening to me 
then you are a champion. You are really serious about making a difference in your life and setting it up for success. I hope this episode has been tremendous value for you. I have tried to pull back the curtain on everything that I do and no holds barred, try to share as much as possible. The research that I've done, the links where you guys can get discounts, all of these types of products, the way that I've set it up, how I've stacked it, everything like that. And this is really how I'm building a seven-figure business. People want to know, like, how do you build a seven-figure business, you know, hardly any staff and doing a lot of it yourself. How do you produce so much content? It's these 94 things, or I guess maybe it's 96 things because we found a couple of extra ones that I do every single day. And it allows me to do these things. It allows me to build a business and take care of so many people and work with so many amazing clients from all over the world and get such good results for them. You know, my consulting clients, I have a 100% success rate. That's amazing, 100% success rate. That's because I give everything. I, when I do a consultation call with a client, I am so full energy, I don't hold anything back. I am so in there, so creative, and give everything I've got to helping my clients that the response is just out of this world. I have saved people hundreds of thousands of dollars. We've done investments that have made them hundreds of thousands of dollars. Probably by the end of the year, I've worked with clients by working with me has made them millions of dollars, seven figure incomes that have been changed because of the work that we've done together. Obviously, I can only take so many clients that I work with. You know, this is not, I can't help everybody. I try to help everybody through the podcast, the newsletter, and through the Facebook group, through our private group. But the one-on-one, -on -one, I can only help a couple of people every month. So reach out to me. If you want to work with me, if you want to set up a plan B, or if you want to be an expat, or if you want to move overseas, go to the website. There'll be a contact us form. You can find it on there. Reach out to me. I only work with a couple of people every month. That's it. I only have so much time, and it's such an intense process that I can't take on everyone. I am not cheap by any means, but the results that I get are out of this world for my clients, and the response has been fantastic. So that's it. I hope that you guys have gotten good value from this. Let me know in the comments. Reach out to me. And that's it. Have a great day. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Bye. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region.
But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.